This is the CBS Evening News with Walter Cronkite. Good evening. In a landmark ruling, the Supreme Court today legalized abortions. The majority in cases from Texas and Georgia said that the decision to end a pregnancy during the first three months belongs to the woman and her doctor, not the government. Thus, the anti-abortion laws of 46 states were rendered unconstitutional. Hey, greetings and welcome back once again to Categorical Imperatives. As always, I am your host, Lockheed Liberal, and I do want to thank you all so much for joining me here today. Now, if you are new to the program, I especially want to welcome you. This is a podcast where we're going to be using legal theory and moral philosophy to discuss current events related to law, politics, and culture. Uh, now, I just real quick at the beginning here, I want to remind you guys that um, I recently... Uh, uh, the software that I usually use to uh, make this show, uh, my license has expired. I can't afford to buy a new one right now. Um, and so I apologize if the audio and video quality is not as good as usual. Uh, but this, if you uh, are not a subscriber to the show, this could be a really good time uh, to consider doing that. If you watch the show a lot, if you get some value out of it, uh, and you would like to either make a one-time donation, you can go to uh, Venmo or PayPal. Uh, or if you would like to become a member, which gives you all kinds of extra little goodies, uh, I have pages, I have Patreon, uh, I have Anchor, I have a Locals.com I just started, and they're all just, for the low, low price of two bucks a month, uh, you can support the show. Uh, and right now, it would really uh, be appreciated, it would be especially helpful, so uh, if you would consider uh, going and doing that, I would be most grateful. Now... If you can't uh, afford to uh, support the show like that right now, that's all right. I want to let you know that I still do very much appreciate you coming by and spending some of your time here today with me all the same. And that goes for whether uh, this is your first time watching the show or if you've been a long-time subscriber. So, uh, as you may uh, have guessed from the opening today, we are going to be talking about Roe versus Wade. This will be part of my Today in Supreme Court History series. Uh, so I've, I've kind of been doing the big uh, abortion cases lately. I did Casey uh, a couple months ago. The last video I put out was about Whole Women's Health versus Jackson. Uh, I'm working on one on for uh, Dobbs versus Whole Women's Health, which is an upcoming case. But today, this is going to be a retrospective of Roe. Uh, this is just going to be a, a basic case brief. This is going to be the facts of the case, uh, the legal arguments that were made, uh, the opinion that was handed down by the court. So uh, this isn't me giving my opinion on Roe. This is just a legal history of the case so you can really understand uh, all the ins and outs. So I suppose it probably goes without saying that Roe versus Wade remains one of the Supreme Court's most controversial opinions. Now, as a general matter, states have the police power to prohibit murder, that is the taking of a life. But does that police power give the states the authority to prohibit abortions? 
Now, our analysis here is going to start with the text of the 14th Amendment and the Due Process Clause, which provides, No state shall deprive any person of life, liberty, or property without due process of law. So, if terminating a pregnancy constitutes liberty, then the state cannot deprive a mother of that liberty without due process of law. On this theory, the 14th Amendment would protect the right to have an abortion nationwide unless the state can show that a specific law is valid. However, the 14th Amendment does not only concern the rights of the mother. The Equal Protection Clause requires us to consider the legal status of a fetus, and the Equal Protection Clause reads, No state shall deny to any person within its jurisdiction the equal protection of the law. So, if the fetus is a person, does the state have a duty to equally protect born and unborn persons alike from murder? And, if so, this theory shows abortion must be prohibited nationwide. And Congress could then use this power under Section 5 of the 14th Amendment to enact appropriate legislation to criminalize abortion should a state fail to do so. So the crux of the equal protection theory would then turn on whether a fetus becomes a person and if abortion is to be considered murder. However, if an abortion is not considered murder, a state could still ban the procedure. This again would fall under the so-called police power. States argue that they can prohibit a wide range of immoral conduct regardless of whether or not it harms another person. For example, states can criminalize animal cruelty. And under this conception of the police power, the decision whether or not to prohibit certain types of immoral conduct would be left to the state's and accordingly, conservative states could ban abortions and more liberal states could legalize it. Now, while this federalism option is available, it therefore turns on the scope of the police power. Prior to Roe v. Wade, many states banned almost all abortions. Texas, for example, criminalized abortions unless it was needed to save the life of the mother. So, in 1970, Norma McCorvey, better known as Jane Roe, challenged the constitutionality of the Texas abortion law. McCorvey told the police that she was raped in order to procure a legal abortion. However, McCorvey did later admit that she had fabricated that allegation. She also attempted to obtain an illegal abortion, but the clinic had already been shut down. Instead, instead, two attorneys recruited McCorvey as the lead plaintiff to challenge Texas's law. She filed the suit under the pseudonym James Rowe. This case was appealed all the way up to the Supreme Court. Now, Rowe's attorney argued that the Texas abortion law was unconstitutional under the 5th, the 9th, and the 14th Amendments. They added that there is a great body of precedent here. 
Now, the leading precedent is the case of Griswold v. Connecticut. Now, in Griswold, Justice O. Douglas found that specific guarantees in the Bill of Rights have penumbras formed by emanations from those guarantees that help give them life and substance. He added, Various guarantees in the Bill of Rights, including the First, the Third, the Fourth, the Fifth, and the Ninth Amendment, create zones of privacy. Justice Douglas concluded that the right to privacy included a right for a married couple to have access to contraceptives. However, in Roe, the court seemed equivocal about the basis of a right to abortion. Now, in the end, Justice Harry Blackman wrote the opinion, in it he wrote, The right of privacy, whether it be founded on the 14th Amendment's concept of personal liberties and restrictions upon state action, as we feel it is, uh, as the district court determined in the Ninth Amendment's reservation of rights to the people is broad enough to encompass a woman's decision whether or not to terminate her pregnancy. The court added, Only personal rights that can be deemed fundamental or implicit in the concept of ordered liberty are included in the guarantee of personal privacy. Ultimately, the court rested its decision on the Due Process Clause of the 14th Amendment. In court, Texas argued that the state has a compelling interest to the protection of fetal life. Now, the court agreed, in part, that the state retains a definite interest in protecting women's own health and safety when abortion is performed at a late stage of pregnancy. Critically, at some point in pregnancy, the state's interest becomes sufficiently compelling to sustain prohibitions on abortion to protect fetal life. The court found that the mother's right to an abortion and the state's interest in regulating abortion changes throughout the nine months of pregnancy. In the first trimester, the state can only regulate the qualifications and licensing of doctors and facilities that provide abortions. However, during this time, the state cannot prohibit or even restrict abortions to protect fetal life. Prior to the compelling point of viability they found, the attending physician in consultation with his patient is free to determine without regulation by the state that, in his medical judgment, the patient's pregnancy should be terminated. Now, in the second trimester, the state can regulate abortions in ways reasonably related to the protection of maternal health. It is only in the third trimester subsequent to viability to promote the potentiality of human life that a state may regulate or even ban abortion except when necessary for the preservation of life or health of the mother. 
Now, Justice Blackman explained that his decision leaves the states free to place increasing restrictions on abortion as the period of pregnancy lengthens so long as those restrictions are tailored to recognize a state interest. Now, the vote in Roe was 7-2-2, with Justices White and Rehnquist dissenting. Justice White wrote, I find nothing in the language or history of the Constitution to support the court's judgment. He said, As an exercise of raw judicial power, the court perhaps has authority to do what it did today. But, he said, in my view, its judgment is an improvident and uh, and extravagant exercise of the power of judicial review that the Constitution extends to this court. Now, Justice Rehnquist wrote uh, that the majority's opinion is closely attuned to Lochner v. New York. As in Lochner Rehnquist found, the adoption of the compelling state interest standard will inevitably require this court to examine the legislative policies and pass on the wisdom of these policies in the very process of deciding whether a particular state interest has put a state interest put forward may or may not be compelling. He added the decision to break pregnancy into three distinct terms and to outline the permissible restrictions these states may impose in each one, for example, partakes more of judicial legislation than it does a determination of the intent of the drafters of the 14th Amendment. Now, in a concurring opinion, Justice Potter Stewart formally embraced the concept of substantive due process. He wrote, As so understood, Griswold stands as one in a long line of cases decided under the doctrine of substantive due process, and I now accept it as such. To call the legitimacy of Roe into question, Stanford law professor Gerald Gunther paired Lochner with Roe in his widely used casebook. By the time Roe v. Wade was decided in 1973, Norma McCorvey had already carried her pregnancy to term. She gave this third child up for adoption. Now, in the 1980s, she became an icon for the abortion rights movement. However, interestingly, later in life, McCorvey changed her stance on abortion when she became born again, and uh, she became a born-again Christian, that is. And she then famously served as an advocate for the pro-life movement. This is the day that I have been waiting for. Fighting for life instead of death. You think Roe v. Wade will be overturned? Yes. I hope so. Now, the first challenge to Roe came in the case of Planned Parenthood v. Casey, in which the court decided uh, if Roe should be overturned. But that is another case for another day. However, if you are dying to learn about it right now, uh, you you are in luck 
because I've already made a video about that case. You'll absolutely love it. Uh, you can check it out. Uh, if you're on YouTube, you can click a little card I'll be putting in the right-hand corner right about now. Or otherwise, I will also put a link down in the description to where you can find that Planned Parenthood v. Casey video. Well, I hope you enjoyed the show today. Uh, I hope you learned a little something. Uh, and if you, uh, again, I just want to ask if you are able to uh, consider supporting the show uh, and becoming a subscriber, this would be a very good time to do it. I would be very grateful for your help. Uh, and if you can't do it, that's okay. But if you would uh, just take a minute uh, and uh, think of one person you know who you think may also like this video, uh, find it interesting, find the information in it useful, whatever it may be, and just pass it on to them. And if you could help me grow the channel that way, I would be very, very grateful for that help. Now, if you liked the video, go ahead and hit the old thumbs up button. If you disliked it, go ahead and hit the old thumbs down button, I guess. Um, and then if you want to leave a comment, I always really do love hearing from you guys in the comment section and hearing what you think about my videos. So please consider taking a moment and letting me know what you thought down there. Otherwise, I, I guess all that's really left to do is to uh, sign out here. This has been me, Locking Liberal talking about Roe versus Wade as part of my Today in Supreme Court History series here on Categorical Imperatives. And of course, as always, De Lenda S. Carthago.